Oh, Kate. <laughs> I don't even know where to start. I don't. I don't. I don't either. Should we start with what we just read? Yeah. So uh, we are recording this on, which we have to say because anytime you talk about anything political, uh, it always changes within 24 hours. But we are recording on July 26, which is a Wednesday at 4.11 p.m. And what came across our uh, news feeds just now was that um, the Republican senator of Utah, Orrin Hatch, just broke with Donald Trump on the tran- the transgender troops serving in the military um, and said, would you like to read it, Kate? I don't think we should be discriminating against anyone. Transgender people are people and deserve the best we can do for them, the senator said in a statement. I look forward to getting much more information and clarity from our military leaders about the policy the president tweeted today. Can we just talk about the fact that we're tweeting policies now? (laughs) First of all. Um, And when the Republican senator from Utah (laughs) breaks Uh. with your position... It's breathtaking. It's just breathtaking. I just don't... I don't even know... um, I don't even know where to... Who has supported some really truly awful legislation in the past. (laughs) Senator Hatch has. Um, I I like this... The world is just... The center cannot hold. (laughs) No. (laughs) A proud beast slouches towards Bethlehem. (laughs) Are you just stringing random words together no. now? <laughs> no. Um, I... What the fuck? Like, where did this come from? Uh, I don't know. I, I guess I didn't even... Was... Uh, I haven't watched the news all day. I just saw early this morning, after I finished practicing, that he had made... That the president had made comments... About how transgendered folks should not serve. The hard thing that he's going to have to decide is that there are a great number of transgendered folk in the Army, Navy, in the armed forces and reserves already. So, like, how do you... It just feels, it's reality it feels already. so unexpected, like an out of left field. Not unexpected. I don't put anything yeah, past yeah, it, but like it just felt so out of left field and like a massive distraction from. Well, that's the funny. Like, is it is are we at a point where this dog? is like a massive distraction because of what's going on in the Senate floor right now? Yeah. Like, is is that what this is? Like, they can't don't actually pay attention be that to this t- twenty hour debate. To... They might be. See, that's what I don't know. I know it's so it's so fucked up. I, uh, and then it just makes me think maybe it really is the Illuminati and Beyonce <laughs> who run the world, who are in the great shadow government underneath all of this because it's becoming more and more the Muppet Show. Sure. That I'm having a hard time hanging on and believing it's real, and that's yeah. a problem. I know. You know, even Nick, and God bless him, he is glued to his phone because he, um, he's just constantly refreshing his tweets because he's like, something's gonna, something's gonna happen, something's gonna come up. I just, he's always on it. And it becomes like the gamification, you know what I mean? Sure, yeah, It's like, it's like collecting Pokemon. Sure. Do you know what I mean? But it's gotta collect them all. (laughs) It's just that, like when you when you first start playing a new game or whatever Game of Thrones is on, like you know, you get there's a hunger for the for the information that's coming at you because it's so. This is why I'm not on Twitter, except for that thread that I. That was magnificent. I I will find a link to this if they haven't taken it down and put it in the notes. It was, but it was 
I almost went Anthony into labor. Scaramucci, is that his name? Uh, yeah, I think that's his name. The new communications <laughs> director. They Someone found, like, a misquoted thing that he tweeted from, like, 2012, and then everybody just, like, went to town. <laughs> the The internet is a wonderful place sometimes. <laughs> it was really, really but funny. But we will, we will uh, I will attempt to find that and put it in the in the show notes for you. Um, but Which that... brings me into my uterus. I laughed so hard. <laughs> and right now my uterus is like right up to my throat. <laughs> sure. And I forget that it's my uterus. Like, because sometimes you're just like, oh, it's the baby. But no, no, no. That's your uterus. It's my sleeve sock of a uterus wrapping around <gasps> the baby that is now heading up to my jugular. And <laughs> so whenever I laugh, it's a whole body experience. In a way that it never was before. Yeah. So I have to be real careful about how hard I laugh because it's like <laughs> it's otherworldly. So I almost induced labor by you did. It's great. It was real fun too. So we went on a little vacation this mm-hmm. last weekend. I wanted to go to the beach one last time with just him and I before she comes, and so. Of course, I waited to the last second and all the hotel, you know, all the cheap motels and shit we usually, we usually head to were booked. Uh, so I decided to try Airbnb for the first time. Oh, nice. And it was, uh, A, a private beach and B, cheaper than yep. like the crappiest. Yep. It was incredible. I loved it. We're going to do it a whole bunch. Hashtag millennial. <laughs> I, I really did. It was just, it was exceptional, but... Long story short, um, the first night we were there, I woke up in the middle of the night with a Charlie horse, unlike I had ever had before, in my ass cheek. And (laughs) I like, I leapt out of bed and I slung myself like halfway over the bed, trying to find a position that I could breathe. I could breathe into. So Nick wakes up and we, Nick and I have this thing called the sleeping hood. Which I'll tell you more about later. It's not It's not as fun as it sounds. It's honestly a sock that's actually um, a convertible uh, bra slash miniskirt from the 80s that my sister-in-law gave us. Anyways, I used to wear it on my head. But now I wear it to fall asleep. I put it over my eyes. And Nick, somewhere in the night, well, usually it falls off my head and he'll put it on his. Because I need it at night, you know, to block out the light. And he needs it in the morning. So it really, it sort of naturally migrates across the bed, (laughs) the sleep hood. Anyways, um, I bring bring him up because he's lying there with the sleep hood. It's fluorescent pink. He peeks out from under the 1980s miniskirt sleep hood and was like, oh, and gets up and comes around the bed and started doing some of the things we're learning in our like hypnobirth class because I think he was like, "This is it. She's on our vacation. Yeah, yeah. She's in labor. It's the big show." And I was like, "No, no, no." I was like, "That feels really good. Thank you." But this is just a Charlie. <laughs> He's ready though. He's it was, ready. It was so sweet, and I was so proud of him. He was. He was like. <sighs> <laughs> trundled over <laughs> with his sleep hood. Oh, um, Kate. Do you, and then this is the other story I wanted to tell you, but I might as well tell you on Unrolled. <laughs> How we figured out we needed glasses. How old were you when you knew you needed glasses? And what was the tipping point when you had to get them? This is a really good question. I'm... I feel like it was actually later than I'm remembering. Like, I feel like it might not have been till college. Wow, that is late. No, it must have been... Yeah, it must have been right around college. Because, like, I'm thinking of my, like, senior pictures and, like, I don't, I'm not wearing glasses in any of them. Um... Yeah, because, you know, I got glasses and then I tried to get contacts and that that wasn't going to work Um, uh, because it just gave me a headache. Um, Because introducing a foreign object onto the eyeball. I mean, that was like a pain in in the ass, but it was more um, to try and like look at the music and look at the conductor with the with the contacts in. 
it just was it just was painful wow yeah yeah so i quickly got rid of those um but yeah because you'd have to go back and forth really yeah, yeah, fast yeah. with the focus interesting um i think it was just i think i just started noticing that it was hard for me to read music and then i went and got my eyes checked does he not have glasses no he has glasses oh, okay so wait what was the conversation about glasses so, so then there's let me get to how i knew i needed glasses uh i was 17 it was high school and i realized glasses are badass and i really wanted a pair so god in his infinite wisdom in this case god is male and looking down on my okay. ocular health um i really wanted glasses and then all of a sudden i needed them like i was in volleyball and i was a terrible volleyball player and i was looking across at i don't know i was looking at the bleachers or something in the bleachers and i realized it was really really fuzzy and it was getting harder and harder to see things on the chalkboard and so i went and they were like yeah it's real borderline that you need them but and i was like i need them and they were like okay so i think i brought them on faster than i actually did but i was like yeah now nick I just found out after being together for like a decade. I was like, how did you know when you needed glasses? And he was like, well, I was about nine years old and I was in church and I realized I couldn't see what page uh, of the hymnal we were on. <laughs> how sweet. I have how, never. How sweet. I almost went into labor again. I lost it. Okay, so just imagine a nine-year-old boy. Mommy, mommy, I can't read the page of the hymnal. How am I going to sing along if I don't know what page we're on, mommy? I don't know why Nick is British in this scenario. I mean, I assumed when when you were going to tell the story that he was going to become British, so I'm happy that my expectations were met. It was just... For those of you who think I'm a terrible wife, I am. (laughs) But B, it was just the most adorable story to me because I had no idea that that's how he realized and that's how he made it known to his parents I can't read the uh I can't read what but where we are in the missile I don't know you know and that's so sweet because him and I are both you know not so much practicing Catholics anymore yeah (laughs) that's a kind way to put it (laughs) yeah um how's your burnout going Ryan um it was real bad on Monday. Uh, and that was your day off. Day one of your day off. That was your Saturday. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That, it, was, it was real bad. And I uh, kind of uh, lost it a little bit in Tom's office on Monday. Because like, that's the first thing on my Monday is I get up, practice a little bit, and then go out to see him. And, and it's just like... I don't know. I'm definitely need to. I mean, I say this every every fucking time we talk about this, but like every new moon, roughly. every new moon, which it was a new moon, right? There mm-hmm. you go. Um, I I need to like just take a look at what's happening like week to week because what I did last week is just like push through to get a bunch of stuff done in five days that couldn't possibly have been done in five days and then was like a wreck and then like yesterday i practiced woke up practiced for three hours did laundry and then napped for four and then got up and made dinner and went back to sleep so like that's great now that i have a day off to do that but i gotta get a little bit it's more that Certain things are just going to have to be let go. Like, certain things are just... It's like, if if the purpose is to make the studio as successful as humanly possible, then I would shift my priorities. If the purpose is to teach well, which it is, then, like, 
there are certain like second level things with the business that I, I need to not be like stressing myself out with that are like, if I get the time to do this thing, that's great. But if I don't, that's like second tier to like just practicing and developing what I have to teach and making sure the business is like functional. Um, which is not the best way to run a business, but I also don't have the, you know, it's just where I'm at. Um, cause I would much rather be teaching well than, you know, and I have to believe that me doing a good job at teaching is, um, essential to the business doing well. Which means also making sure that you have time for your practice. Yeah. Because it's hard to teach well if you're not tapped into your own exactly. experience of the practice. And that sort of has a domino effect all the way through ownership. Exactly. So, yeah, and you're one person. You know? Yep. You're one and person. there's just only so much that I can do in a given week. It's interesting that you mentioned the um, having the day off where you sort of basically imploded. You know? Yeah, yeah. Because um, I have a architecturally the way my week is set up <clears throat> although it's changed a little bit recently but you know i work what i work and then sundays are very much like nick and i's we we both sleep in you know and that'll change wildly when yeah the little meat pie comes but you know we sleep in and we watch meet the press and then we do nothing love it you know we do nothing and we eat and maybe do laundry yeah. And like a couple of like minor household things. Um, but it's a day that is absolutely necessary for the way we live the rest of our days. Yeah. And the way I've been thinking about it, and this sort of harkens to what you were saying, is like there's a finite amount of energy that I have in an arbitrary time period. If we're going to look at a week as an arbitrary measure yeah. of time, there is a certain amount of juice. Yep. That you have. And I can put my foot on the gas for three of those days trying to like catch up. But then what invariably happens is on the next couple of days, you pay for it. You always exactly. have to pay for it. Um, and I, I think the thing that breaks my heart about that is I have known people who have greater bandwidth capacity energetically. They can work 16-hour days, you know, six days a week, and then on that seventh day, they're still, like, doing something cool, you know? Or they're getting... They're just... They're living on four to six hours of yeah. sleep and still hyperproductive. And I, th I think somewhere in the mythos of my dream world of what I'd like to be, I wish I had that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But those people, I, I often wonder, though, like, do those people hit their wall, too, well, in their own way? Yeah, they do. They do. But also, I think for some of them, it comes at the cost of mental health. For some people, they're operating, like, with hypomania. Sure, sure. You know, or they, there really is a pathological reason that they're able to yeah. energetically sustain in a certain way that's yeah. different than the average Joe. Well, it is just some of it too, and and this is what. So this is my plan for the next couple of weeks, is that I'm going to very meticulously log the time that I'm spending on things, um, so that I can take a look and be like, okay, there's no earthly reason I should be spending this amount of time this week on X or. Um, you know, just to have a sense of, like, what the breakdown of my week is in terms of, like, how much admin work am I doing? How much teaching am I doing? How much time am I prepping classes to just have an understanding of what's going on? And to also know that, because um, I'll hit this wall in the day, and, like, there is something deep within me, which is also, which is cultural, it comes from my family background, that is like, no, you can override that. You can push, override you can, button. you can hit the override button. But if I look at my, and, and this has already happened like today, like before we were about to record, like I, I, I hit the, I'm just using the T-sheets and like switching jobs essentially every time so I can track. Um, and 
I went to hit switch to go over to the podcast and I was like, oh, I've already worked six hours today. Like, it's okay if I go home after the podcast and cook dinner and like maybe do a few things here and there, but like, it's okay if I wind myself down after doing this. So, um, did you get decaf or is this regular? That's regular. Ryan. Ryan. It's okay. Um, So, yeah, I, I'm just trying to be a little bit. That's really smart. Gonna, You're using T-sheets. Yeah, yeah. If I'm going to do, like, especially if I'm going to be doing the teacher trainings next year, like, I got to I gotta become a little bit more meticulous about, like, how I'm spending my time in a given day and, like, knowing what I can put out and what I, when the, no, basically not hitting override. Like I'm being I, like override should be for very, very special things. It shouldn't be like a weekly. Yeah. It shouldn't be happening on a daily valve. basis. <laughs> no, totally. And that's when I, yeah, I, I completely relate with that because culturally in my family, you yep. know, and, and, in, too. and so many of our yeah. families are really common. It's like, it's a virtue to hit yeah. that, to hit that button, but there is always a tax on it. Yeah. There's, Nothing goes uncharged. And you can know that you can be very aware that like I'm gonna over I'm gonna push through this and just know like in the back and like there's a difference between doing that consciously and just having that be like a subconscious uh uh process that goes on. Like there's a difference between being like, Okay, I really gotta get XYZ done today. I know I'm gonna pay for it down the line but i'm gonna do it and as long as you are conscious about it and give yourself that time and are noticing if you're doing that all the time habitually like that's fine it's good to be able to you know when things need to get done to be efficient and get things done but oftentimes it's happening in in like more subtle ways than Than we think like I there are multiple times in the course of a week where I'll be working and be like you know what you should do you should probably just go lie down for 20 minutes and then like start over again and I just like that thought pops up and I just bail right past it <laughs> like I just like no what the fuck is that get that and then I just keep doing what I'm doing whereas if I were to pause go lie down for 20 minutes and then get back up and start working again, I would probably get the same amount of work, if not more, done. And enjoy it. Yeah. Maybe. Maybe. A little bit more. <laughs> Maybe. Um, so it's just, you know, in these things, it's like so easy to, well, I don't know if it's easy. It, it's, it's much easier to conceptualize doing this stuff than it is to like, than it is to have the awareness moment to moment to notice when you're, when you're hitting that override. And to tie this into yoga, which is already clearly yoga, but to like explicitly tie it into yoga, I have moments with all of the slow flow classes I teach where I'm like, at this particular moment in history, we are in an economy of energy and time. And that's it. So to, to offer a space in yoga class that is prioritizing slowing down yeah. and, and not I, you know i'm i love restorative yoga i love yin i love slow flow um so i'm not saying it has to be restorative or it has to be yoga nidra or it has to be you know but like to to carve out time to take those types of classes sure it's fucking phenomenal it's a bite-sized portion of slow the fuck down yeah and like I just think that what we're talking about is happening to everybody. Oh, totally. Absolutely. And I also think it is... I 
So I was thinking, well, I don't know if we've talked about this already, but when we when I did that big survey for for Bow Street, um, like a student survey for Bow Street, uh, there was a pretty equal uh, set of responses that was like, we want more like explicit to use a lack of a better word uh therapeutic type classes like yoga for back pain yoga for neck pain yoga for this yoga for that and then another equal subset that was like i mean certainly there were people who were just like you need to have more vigorous classes so i'm not talking about that but there was like a a a fairly good chunk of people who responded that were like you know we don't get to try new stuff like we don't get to there's not doesn't seem to be inversions happening in classes there doesn't seem to be um uh challenge happening in classes all the time um and i think certainly some of that is just a function of time and so we we sat down with the when i sat down with the teachers and had did like some just messaging back and forth about it after that we actually just did realize that there's no point in us the the, the issue is time whenever we're teaching the 75 minute class where we're taking our time most of us have something in the back of our mind that would be a challenge or would be new or would be something a little bit more complex that we may may have practiced when we were working earlier in the day but in 75 minutes or even in 90 minutes it's just hard to fit all that in so instead of coming up with a like you're gonna do we're gonna have this class that's like advanced or something like that we just sort of settled on well if you give us two hours we can teach something new like we can teach inversions we can teach in so it's it's just a matter like i don't there there comes a point in like when i was teaching this morning i had been playing with various bindings of the arm and i thought it would be really interesting in a very um slow way to explore the different depths of parsifal kanasana that one could explore and still feel stable in the legs and not just like you dump a ton of bricks down onto your front foot um and which in my practice did end with me being like oh look at that i can bind around my leg i haven't done that in a while that has an interesting there are interesting things about this and so there came a point when I was teaching class today where I was teaching all of the components that would would have totally led up to that, but I was just like, I could have sped things up and just barreled through and gotten to that pose. But instead I was like, no, I'm not going to hit that override switch. They don't really look like they're... We don't really have enough time to get through that. We don't really have... They don't really look like... They look quite settled <laughs> at this moment, so we're just going to wind down and finish up class. Like, there is the the override principle shows up in the way that we teach classes sometimes too, because I've totally been in classes where the teacher is clearly on like a beeline for an arm balance. I'm looking around the room and it's just like nobody wants to nobody wants to be in this balance right now you've had that like the the rebellion where like someone's teaching ashtavarkasana and the teacher like demos it and then they look around the room and it's like oh no one's actually doing this they're just looking at me the right class now. is like the class collectively <laughs> is like nope exactly exactly so I, I was so i was thinking about this this override in in the context of, of classes and and there is sometimes a doubt i think in my mind and other teachers minds in uh in maybe in students mind that if we're not explicitly working on complex stuff 
that we're never going to get to complex stuff. But if you understand how your hips work and you understand how your arms work and you have adequate time to settle into your body and move your body around, yeah, one day you might be like, oh, look at my arms go like that. But, and I'm just using that as like a, a random example. But to like, sometimes to go into those more complex shapes is an override unto itself. There are plenty of signals in the body that you know, I've totally been this practitioner in class where there's something in my mind telling, in my body saying like, Ugh, yeah, you don't, don't do that headstand. Don't do that. Like you're cooked. Don't do another handstand. Don't, you know, try to put your leg over your shoulder. Don't leave it, leave it, be leave it be. And, and I just hit the override switch and go for it. And sometimes I pay for it. And sometimes I don't. That's the, that's the, Sometimes it's the right choice and sometimes it's not the right choice. That's the difficult, that's a difficult thing. So that's where, that's where I, I get conflicted because currently I'm teaching essentially two different styles of class. I teach slow flow vinyasa with deep relaxation type class. And then I teach a vinyasa class, which is basically me hitting the override switch for 60 minutes. Yeah. (laughs) Um, you know, and I, I try to read the room and like vary the degree to which I'm going to be hitting the override, but I look at those classes as serving different functions. So the slow flow, my goal is for people is for it to basically be uh, a basics class that provides opportunity for people to build up some strength and some of the in some uh, less compound shapes Mm -hmm. and to feel comfortable there and to build mastery there so that when they go to a class that does an override and beelines them somewhere, they at least feel like, okay, well I can feel my feet. Yeah. You know, before I go into the full mind. So my goal is to equip people to, uh, you know, just to feel more comfortable in life, blah, blah, blah. But also if they end up in another class, yeah, uh, they've, so that's how I approach in terms of like, I, so th- the takeaway for me is I, I, I sometimes I'm like, oh yeah, we could go to this place, but why? You know, <laughs> yeah, yeah, people yeah. aren't in this class for that. You know, they're not like, oh, I'm going to get to explore yeah. a crazy uh, forearm balance in, in, in this slow flow. Although once in a while I'll throw something in that's just like out of left field. But when I think about the vinyasa, you know, the, the vinyasa class that I teach, I usually will look around and say, okay, we're going to go here. And that class is serving the part of me that is the same student that in your survey was like, no, I want to be exposed to something weird. Show me something new. And yes, let's go there. Yeah. And I have to do it in 60 minutes. Yeah, that's tough. And I, some of my favorite classes that I can think about just in the canon of public classes I've taken, was a class taught by a teacher that doesn't live in Boston anymore. And the class was genius. And it was all override. But it was crafted so intelligently that I ended up in a shape there was no good reason I should have been able to do. Yeah. And I was doing it, and I was doing it balanced and healthy and it wasn't putting a strain in any one area and i just remember thinking to myself oh shit you can do it that way but that requires what what this teacher was doing required serious preparation and skill and i have no doubt that this teacher had done that sequence multiple times in their own body and were sure that in that 60 minutes for a lot of bodies in the room, she was going to be able to get yeah. them closer. Yeah. And I, and I should say that there's... There is the possibility... Of exploring compoundness in a very short period of time. 
it's not that you need like uh, like I, I I don't want it to sound like we're we're thinking like y- y- you always need this like epic warm up to do some of these sh- shapes to do some of the more complex compound poses that you see in this that or the other in you know Instagram or Yoga Journal or whatever whatever. But for me, most of the time. It takes a really long time for my body to just, and my mind, for everything to just quiet down. And for me, if I can't feel a sense of quieting, I'm not really going to progress much further. Like, that's just going to become the goal of practice, is to just, like, settle the fuck down. Now, I realize in the context of teaching yoga, like, you don't always have that choice because you're reading the room and there are multiple people in the room and, you know, you got to sort of do your best to steer the ship in a way where everyone is uh, still on the same ride ride, (laughs) or not or purposefully not on the same ride. Yeah. You know, um, that's a possibility, too. Which is a ride in and of itself. Exactly. (laughs) (laughs) Um, But you... The skills that I don't know, the skills that help me to feel what's going on in my body, quiet myself down, take care of what's going on in my body to whatever small extent I can, does for me set the stage to on a given day that feels appropriate do things that are take me into a deeper range of motion do things that are just fun do things that are um challenging or that that i don't normally do um but i would say that 90 percent of practice is not that for me 90 percent of practice is just taking care of myself on a day-to-day basis to the best that I can. And then, you know, like yesterday morning, it was like, oh, three hours of practice. Okay, let's do like 15 wheel poses. <laughs> like it was, everything felt relaxed. Everything felt like it was quite like it, but it, it just. And see, that's where we get into the economy of time. Exactly. You have decided yes what is of value to you in your practice yep and you know the economy of time and effort required for you to comfortably explore compound complex shapes yeah. and have made the decision to transfer that belief structure onto your classes yeah. which i totally get and yeah. totally agree with because it's i think that's teaching with integrity yeah. at the end of the day um and i in my vinyasa class and in my practice I practice in two almost Gemini <laughs> sort of <laughs> terrifyingly two-faced. Are you um, Gemini? I'm Gemini's twin. Oh. Um, no. No, I'm not a Gemini. No, I'm a Libra. They're similar but very different, yeah. I hear. I'm the I only, know nothing about these things. <laughs> I just know I'm the only inanimate sign in the Zodiac. Oh. Isn't that interesting? That's very interesting. Is it? I don't know. <laughs> kind of. No, I'm a device. Everything else is like living and breathing. Um, so, but the but the way I think of it is like sometimes I'll go home and I'll practice and I'm like I got I got 20 minutes and I really want to work on this thing or I really want to yeah. I really want to collect this shape I really want to chase it you know or you know and I go home and I do a really efficient yeah strong ass warm up yeah. that requires you know 15 minutes to get me fully sweating. And once I'm there, then I can do yeah. X, Y, and Z. And so I share that in a particular class. Yep. But then a lot of the times my practice is like, fuck that noise. I'm pulling out the bolster and I'm doing my gentle exploration of what does my body and my soul actually need. Yeah. Um, 
And I think that they're both beautiful and valuable. Absolutely. Uh, and I know, I know that in an hour class, you can present exciting I... compound shapes in a safe way to a wide group of people. But it takes a different preparation and it See, takes and, a different but, desire and yes it takes a different intention takes and arguably skill set i think there are teachers that are just like i'm and i'm not saying this is yeah, you yeah, but yeah. i think there are teachers that are like i ain't touching that shit because i don't practice that way sure i think if you were to throw me into a room of 20 people and say you have an hour to teach these people what name of pose compass i am sure that i could do that but it would not look like a yoga class like what we culturally understand to be a yoga class. i've taken classes yeah. where you've done shit like that you have come up with the most creative warm-ups yeah like there are times i remember vividly you teaching a class where in the first 10 minutes of class you had us like all get against the wall and press up into chaturanga and hold and then downward dog at the wall mm-hmm. and then like urdhva hastasan it was like three unlinked in poses that had virtually nothing to do with each other but you were having us do them one mm-hmm. after the other in sequence in repetition and after 10 minutes i was done i was just like the whole room we were just gross <laughs> and then we were able to proceed <laughs> You know, and then you brought us into like a deep quadricep opener against the wall or something. Yeah, but yeah, yeah. I remember thinking, wow, that was a lot. And, and you, you even said it. Like, I thought it. And then you said it in class. You were like, not all warm ups have to be sun ace. <laughs> <laughs> and it was like a really ingenious. That sounds like it must have been in a mode of taking Iyengar classes. <laughs> I don't know. Yeah, it was yeah. something. But yeah, no, I have no doubt that you yeah. would. It's, but it, it, it is interesting because, like, a lot of, if we really, like, l- took away what the container that has been decided upon culturally that is, is a yoga class, that is, I guess, to a large extent, primary series-esque, like, it's still, because Baptiste and the Power Flood on the West Coast was very, very much an adaptation of a primary series-esque type of thing that that has that is still the like frame around which we hang a lot of our classes in which there's sun salutations and then there's standing standing poses poses that have to appear and then there's you know something in the middle and then there's back bending and then yeah like there a lot of classes are still framed in that way one way or another but if you throw that out the window then you can do any number of things in in a quick way, in a slow way, but it just has to have a um, uh, there has to be clarity, and I and I also find that because so much of when I do work with more compound asana in my own practice, it is very clear to me that a lot of what's going on is a conversation, an internal conversation about what my nervous system perceives to be safe. And I don't want that to sound dramatic. I mean, (laughs) but quite literally, if you, fold forward as deep as you can, you're going to provoke some sensation. Probably. If you fold forward until you find that first little bit of resistance, and you wait, and you breathe, that resistance might fade away a little bit. And then you can go... So, to me... Sure, I can, you know... probably get on the floor right now and do Urdhva without much trouble, even though it's not my favorite thing in the world to do. But if 
I am settled in my body in a way that things are coordinated really well and 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 I um, have uh, sort of shaken off the dust of the day or the week or whatever, then things just work a little bit more smoothly. And there's not as much of a like, there's fewer alarm bells that go off. Well, I have to say it certainly feels more, there's less attachment to it sure. when you're talking about it that way. And when I've experienced your classes that way, where we go to an unexpected shape where I'm like, Oh shit, he's got us in what, you know, <laughs> there's less of an attachment. Whereas what I'm talking about there, there absolutely is more attachment to it. There's more there's like, a beeline there's to, an objective. Yeah. There is a, there is a goal. There is like a, there's a, a bullseye on it. Sure. That is a place where I wish, you know, those two sort of worlds, with the economy of time so yeah. that people could achieve that sort of almost playful and leisurely approach to something that might be compound. So they feel yeah. sated in yeah. the, like, I want to be exposed to, you know, these yeah. things, but to also do it without the, without the, all right, motherfuckers, here we go. Yeah. You know, like, and, yeah. and that's, you know, that's, You have prerequisites for class. You have to uh, run to class or speed walk. You, you, you're going to do 10 burpees before you walk in the door. And then we can leisurely explore, you know. <laughs> no. We're going to burn through some, some tapas and then... Sure. There's no bad ideas, Ryan. <laughs> I feel it though. I feel you know. I feel the people that are saying I want something. Sure. And and I think that because that's what I always that's what I I I don't want there to be a implicit um, these uh, implicit sense of like these shapes aren't worth it or that they're somehow cordoned off and not for the average class goer they're only for the teacher sure that's the thing i like yeah. to avoid is like no 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 yeah cuz there is a subtext of that yeah you know when when a bunch of teachers that have the capacity yeah. to quote-unquote perform, and yeah, I, I, I mean that word, um, a certain canon of shapes, elect not to, there is a cordoning off sure. of information that I, I, that I detest. You know, there's yeah. an accessibility thing like, oh, you know, in any other context, that would be totally unacceptable. Like, yeah, but is this is but then the tricky thing is, and this is Ryan Hill and I were talking about this on Sunday morning when we were practicing together. Like, there is still like it, it's so hard to describe an experience of practice. That, yes, culminated for the teacher in doing something moderately complex. And so if when you have the time to describe this experience of practice and to feel through the parts of the body that you felt through and to, to uh, become aware of, of what's going on in your body, to offer that particular complex compound shape in a way that still doesn't point at it like, hey, this is what you should be doing, but more like, a, oh, and then this. And then forget about that. And because the more important thing is the fact that we pumped these joints and engaged these muscles and 
like how to when you do go and present something more compound or more complex that there still is the underlying um understanding that what led you there is more important than there and there is just a matter of any number of things that that could either prevent you or help you to get into any particular complex shape but that it's not um Because I've seen so many teachers do such a beautiful job of like these very uh, sort of somatic explorations of how to move the body, and the, and then there's still this okay now everybody order the like it it like quickly like jerks into an Iyengar class or something like you know what I mean like I can't think of an example off the top of my head, but it still points to that as the thing, and. I'm not sure that's avoidable. Well, I think what your solution is actually the the more I pause and listen to you. I I think the two hour class that has the intention of of going on a journey. Yeah. You know, but all the while valuing all of the actions required yeah. as just as sexy yeah. as as may or as maybe or maybe not reaching yeah. the pose but for me it's the exposure of the pose to people and like all of the steps that it requires that that's important like when you choose not to even oh no expose where absolutely. the shape might go that feels like potentially condescending or infantilizing of the audience you know yeah. and i you know, I, I resist that, but I, I do think that, like, in a studio your size with the kind of teachers you have, the two-hour meandering explanation is, like, a really great yeah. way to, to offer to the students, hey, are you interested in this? Well, we're going to do it according to our values, yeah, which yeah. is this. Yeah. And in a way that and it's, that proportionally to the way that we normally practice actually mimics that. So, like, it's once a month rotating teachers and which mimic. the question is does it cost more oh uh is it a workshop we, is, or is it within like the class structure th we've kind of merged the two so that it's like a double punch on your class card or there's like a low drop-in for members and then like a high drop-in for people who are like a higher drop-in for people who are okay but you can use like two punches on your class card for it something like that that's how we've we've tried to merge the idea of workshop versus it, the, regular class. It's interesting because, like, at one point, again, you've made it a little bit higher a barrier to entry to be exposed to the compound shape. But at least it's not... Yeah, at least there's... Because I, I do feel like the difference between teaching an hour or a 75-minute or a 90-minute class to teaching a two-hour class like it's a hard thing to say like what deserves a higher rate because we're not i'm not really set up as like a pay by the hour type no of. no i know so that is the only that's the only reason why there's a higher price point on it so that i can pay the teachers more for it so that they can be Especially if they have 10 or 15 people in the room can be making close to workshop money. It does beg the question, though. Why not just offer a class or two on the schedule that's 60 minutes or 75 that does offer compound shapes? Because we don't want to distinguish that way. It's still just yoga. But are there teachers that are doing that? I mean, sure, like some, but it's just like, but it, it's based on the people in the room. Like some days. Yeah, gotcha. Some days, yeah. Teresa, I hear Teresa in there on Saturday mornings and she's teaching the splits. And the like, splits. And I'm like, okay. Is that what you call it? The splits? I guess. Like plural? Sure. Like you got four legs? Yeah, precisely. I like that. And like, that's great. Because there, like the there should be, it's not like every class is like, 
And some days I teach handstand, and some days I teach pranayama for 75 minutes. It's, you know, I'm sure infuriating for some people, but... No, it, your studio it, it, is it, a fantastic it, philosophical it, exercise <laughs> in, in, in inquiry. Yeah. In, in what the hell are we doing with, with class description, and I think it's important. Um, so we didn't really talk about the thing that we were going to talk about. That's fine. Can we talk about it briefly so that we can prompt feedback? Okay, yeah, yeah. Let's ask for feedback. So, guys, I'm going on leave soon to... Have a child. Yeah. Yeah. Wrapping, wrapping my head around that. Um, and Ryan is doing a serious inventory of his energetic capital. Yes. So we're tossing around the idea of coming up with um, a little bit of a new potential format, uh, at least to experiment with during my time away. Um, And so we're really open, especially to our regular listeners who probably already have ideas. Um, We were thinking about having, uh, we had a couple different ideas. So one was some, well, I think they all involved some mix of just us shooting the shit in front of the microphone like we normally do Mm -hmm. and us having conversations with other people, but just given the time constraints of having a child and all that, um, maybe... And, and also the fact that we, we've always found having a third person on d- delightful, but kind of... Uh, well, it's happened like three times, yeah, so it, I don't want to make it, any massive sweeping yeah, statements about it. But I've always found it a little... It's, a, it's more challenging to have the flow of dialogue go with three people in front of the the microphone, I, I think, in when I listened back to the times that we've had guests on. So we were thinking of maybe having episodes where Kate sits down with somebody or I sit down with somebody and have a conversation and sort of throw those into the mix. Um, or alternatively, have us wax poetic in front of a microphone by ourselves something so that we could keep the podcast going without necessarily having to always be in the same room all the time together and to bring some different voices on the show in a way that makes sense. And I think to a certain extent, I don't know how you feel about this, but I think to a certain extent the one-on-one dialogue works better. Mm. Yeah, I don't totally agree. I I like it as a thing that gets thrown in, but uh-huh. I don't agree that um, there isn't a good rhythm of both of us interviewing. Because I and, and we have to figure out time stuff because I don't know how yeah, that yeah. would work. But I like the idea of mixing it all up and seeing what sticks. Yeah, I think so, too. And by what sticks, like, what produces good content that people give a shit about. Um, And it might even be that there might be, like, segments. Oh, sure. I feel like that would increase the editing time by quite a bit. Yeah, and we want to reduce that. So, um, but but anyways, so here here are the things that, that I thought about throwing at the wall there's obviously the idea of just us keeping and doing what we're doing and not changing anything there's the idea of throwing in content that is us waxing poetic by ourselves there's the idea of throwing in content that is kate and i sitting down with people individually either kate with someone or me with someone and there's the idea of just having more guests on which might be a thing that we have to put on hold anyway well, one of the ones I wanted to do is a group of yoga teachers who are moms. Yeah. I want to do a sit down with a group of ladies asking them questions. Yeah. And that'd be neat. But see, that's what I think. It's going to depend. The format will depend on the idea. 
Sure. So we, uh, we one we were talking about was interviewing studio owners. Yeah. And I think that would be a really good place to do one-on-ones. Sure, yeah. You know, like Ryan sits down uh, with, you know, the owner of Samara or yeah. you know, that kind of thing. Um, and then I could sit down maybe with Dana from Yoga Works. Sure. Like, like we could be thinking of it that way. I, I think... But if anybody has any ideas, yes, please, or strong feelings, please let us know because we're going to be thinking about technological solutions for the coming weeks because there are some of those too. I mean, yeah. Jay is not sitting in a room with everybody at yes. this meeting, um, and we're just open for evolution of where unrolled unrolls too. Uh-uh. That's still. I don't know. That still holds true, though, to... Th- this is the danger of... Oh, here's the, the danger word. Sorry, not the danger. This is the downfall sometimes of the of the more, like, interview process. Like, when you and I sit down in front of the microphone, certainly there are things that we're not... We're choosing because this is for public consumption to not talk about. But for the most part, we're comfortable saying whatever the fuck we want with each other and disagreeing with each other and feeling comfortable to change our mind yes. in the course of conversation. That's the that's the mission statement. Exactly. Of yeah, yeah. <laughs> but it's really hard to do that with a third with a with an outside party because a lot of times uh not that i've necessarily felt this with anybody that that we've had on in the past but like in listening to other shows yoga podcasts where people are interviewed um sometimes people are just on their shtick and it's like hard to get underneath that and so i just i'm hesitant that's always been my hesitation with having guests on is that um there's the guests that we want to have on. I want to have on because we can be honest with them. Yeah, that's you know. That's, I, don't, I guess the caveat, and that is, means we have to know them a little. Bit. Yeah, and that's what historically we've had, which is why it's it's worked. Yeah, you know, and we've had it like if we were to have Alexis come on, which eventually we will. Sure, I'm going to be able to bust her balls, and she's going to bust my balls right back, and exactly. it'll be like we'll we'll leave friends and still love each <laughs> other, and like I want people I disagree with, but can be confident that the disagreement is a productive one. Sure. You know, and that, and I don't want anyone to ever feel like cornered or, or like a gotcha moment or anything like that. That's not the goal of Unroll. The the goal is to come to discovery together, Exactly. you know, in an, in an honest and. When after an hour of meandering, we occasionally come to a mic drop (laughs) moment. Yeah. It takes us an hour to get there, but we, (laughs) we finally do. But sometimes that's why I think it's easier with two people. Yes. Because if you're having a... Like when we had with Jay, like there were times where you and Jay were agreeing and I didn't. And there were times Jay and I agreeing and and you didn't. Yeah. And and we're able to find balance, you know. And I think that that can happen when you... When there's two of us in a way that if it was just you and one other person, you might be much more inclined to be like, oh, okay. okay. Sure. Whatever. I'm going to let that go. Yeah. I also think, and I, I don't mind the like Skype solution. However, there is something to the resonance of being in the same room with somebody. I know. That I just... But we run into trouble because then we're too local. Sure. I don't know. That's just, that's always my issue with online. Like, there's just really something. I feel like we're having a porn talk before we go on air. Do you know what I mean? Like, <laughs> make sure he's fluffed. Don't send him back on set until he's fluffed. Like, it just feels like we're, we just pulled back the curtain and are having a conversation. That's fine. We're, isn't this, isn't that the mission statement of Unrolled is to pull, pull back, back the, the curtain? curtain? Like, okay, that's fair. Good point. No, we we really we we do want to um, uh, continue to make this work, and um, 
kids and all. It might get weird, you know, it in might the get early years. We'll figure it out. We will. There might be a few less of them for a little bit. Yeah. There's a possibility of just, you know, that being yeah. a possibility. Um, but we have really smart listeners that have really good ideas, and we're open to entertaining all of them and hope that you will uh, stick with us as we figure out different formats and experiment with different ideas of presentation, always trying to adhere to the core value, which is we are going to be as honest as we are individually physically capable of being as it comes to yoga um, and what we perceive is happening in, in the yoga community. Because I, I think that's what makes us different is our adherence to the awkwardness yeah. and pulling back the curtain as best we can, which is often flawed. Yeah. Is that fair? Yes. Those motherfuckers put fucking caffeine in my coffee. <laughs> I wish everybody going to the 6 p.m. slow flow class at Yoga Works the best of luck. <laughs> journey (sighs) okay we'll be uh, back next week won't we yeah unless I go into labor but that would be early yeah exciting times Sorry, the gerbil just got off the wheel in my brain. You know, the gerbil that drives? Sure. She jumped. She jumped. Um, she, she pulled a Theon Greyjoy. She jumped ship. <laughs> I'm out! <laughs> Peace. On that note, this has been unrolled. Um, thanks for listening. Uh, this week, I'm not going to ask f- for anything other than if you have it in your heart to send us an email. Um, and let us know what you're thinking. Let us know what's on your mind in your communities, in your yoga world, whatever it is, however small, however large. Shoot us an email and let us know what's going on. I'm not going to ask for donations, although if you want to make them, they're there. <laughs> I'm not going to ask for stars, even though that would help people find us if you enjoy us. <laughs> I'm not going to ask. <laughs> See, this is you like this? this is this all thing. No, but no, but seriously, uh, today the most valuable thing that we could ask from you is um, feedback on what's going on and and what you'd love to hear us talk about and how you'd love to hear us talk about it yeah what do you want us to do and what do you want us to wear (laughs) all right okay Bye. bye